Guys, I got to tell you, there are churches all over the world where there's going to be a polished pastor that brings uh, a really, a really polished word, and there's going to be worship teams filled with really gifted, talented musicians all over the all over the world today. But not all of them are going to listen to the Holy Spirit. And you're at a place where your worship team listens to the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly where you want to be. Amen. And they're gifted and talented as well. But just, um, man, just grateful for, for that. And uh, guys, uh, I want to welcome you. I'm Pastor Terry Lee, pastor here at Fusion Church. And 2021. Thank God it's 2021. Man, anybody other than me just ready for God to do something new this year. Amen. Uh, I am excited about today. I'm going to bring a, a series to you, but I just got to point out the irony that last year at around this time, <laughs> I brought a, I brought a, started a sermon series the first Sunday of the year, and it was called 2020 Vision. <laughs> it's like, here's all the things that God's laid on our heart to do this year. And you know what? A lot of those things were accomplished this year. More than what you think. In fact, probably what I would say, the only thing that wasn't accomplished is us spending time together. And that was one of the main things that we wanted to do. But God had other plans. And, and I, just, I, uh, I, had, I had said something on social media this week that you know, I, I, we were cleaning out the office and we, we found nobody's leaving. We were just trying to be clean, okay? I'll just preface that. Ain't nobody going nowhere. Uh, and, and I found the, the poster for the 2020 vision, and it just kind of made me chuckle. And, and, I, and, and what the Lord laid on my heart at, at, when I saw that, and I just started laughing, is, is that, that, that there's that scripture that many, many plans are in a man's heart, but God, God is the one who brings it to pass. And, 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 um, and so I think the best vision that a church can possibly have. We'll come up with, with what we feel like God's called us to do and we'll put together things. But I think the best vision you could possibly have is trust God and hold on and ride the waves. And I think to me, like if you expected me to come and be like, this is everything we're doing in 2021, you got to be out your dang mind. Because I ain't doing that. What I do feel like I should do is, is bring to you, I, I, I stopped doing New Year's resolutions a while back, and, um, and, and instead of doing New Year's resolutions, I've learned that I, in my life, I want to be resolute. Amen. Instead of making resolutions, I want to be resolute, that in my faith, I want to be resolute, that in my family and taking care of my wife and my children, I want to be resolute. I want to be ironclad. I want to I make sure that I am just, that, that I am just rock solid in my, in my physical fitness, in my health. I, I want to be resolute. And so um, I think the way that you do that is instead of saying, here's my resolutions, I, I, think, I think we say, well, what are my habits? And, and, and so rather than saying, what, you know, what outcome do I want? Maybe, maybe I need to start saying, what habits do I want to build? Because the habits that I build will lead to the outcome that we need, Amen. Right. And so uh, there, this is a series called Explosive Habits, and, um, and I want to talk to you about some things over the next four or five weeks that, that if we will, we will just implement small little things into our lives, big, big change can happen because of it. Amen? Amen. 
And so today I want to talk to you about probably the most important one. I want to talk to you about the most important weapon in your arsenal, and that is the Word of God. I want us to be a congregation who is in the habit of ingesting the Word of God. Whether that is at home, reading, and let me just tell you something. I I love the fact that, that we have an app and on that app, you can get to devotionals. And on that app, you can get to the Bible. I love the fact that version can do all kinds of crazy, amazing things. There's no substitute for this one. Amen? Amen? There's no substitute for that Bible that you can get in your hand and, and, just, and just devour. And I'm telling you, so I'm, I'm on, I, I've been serving the Lord now for over 20 years. I've actually loved the Lord longer. Uh, my life I've lived my life in the Lord longer than I, than I haven't. I finally hit that scale, you know what I mean? And hit that, hit that tipping point. But just when I think I know just about everything I'm going to know here, the Lord's like, no, there's so much more. And this thing is inexhaustible, and it's living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And so if you are going to carry the banner of follower of Jesus Christ, you cannot, listen to me, There are absolutes in this world. People say that they're not, but there are. And the first absolute is you cannot survive this world as a follower of Jesus and thrive in this world as a follower of Jesus if you do not know what this says. Churches all across the world right now have people who don't know what this word says and so they they aren't sustained in their faith. And so this is the first habit and it's the most important one. Amen? So we're going to talk about the way that I'm going to do this is I'm going to I'm going to go through with you the why. For me, I have to know the why for every situation. Why do I do this? And um, and so what is my why for needing to know the word of God? And that's what we're going to do today. And, and so uh, when we talk about prayer, what is the why behind prayer? When we talk about saying yes to God, what is the why behind saying yes to God? When we talk about our habits, what, what is the why behind the habit? And so what is the why behind needing to know the Word of God? And you can see that in the book of Matthew chapter 4. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of Matthew chapter 4. I'm reading out of the New King James. Um, it's it's what, I, what I grew on, so that's, that's where I'm at. Whatever you got, just make sure you're reading it, right? <laughs> Amen. So, I'm going to start with a... With, with, I'm just going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to go back through and break it down. All right? I've never done this before here, but I, I think sometimes, sometimes it's important to show honor. Can we stand to our feet? And let's, let's, let's show honor to the Word of God. Amen? All right, so here we go. Here we go. This is right before Jesus is about to establish His earthly ministry. Okay? Chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. When he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter had come to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said to him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and he said, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot on a stone. 
he said to them, it is, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then he said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Father God, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for, your, for what your word does in our life because your word is more than a book. Your word is living, powerful, and it's life-changing. And so I pray that you would open our eyes, open our ears, help us to receive what it is that you have according to your word today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Let's get going. So, couple things, the very first thing that we see, there are some things if we look a little bit closer. Jesus has a moment here, and the battle's hot. Amen? Amen? What he relies on is the Word of God. And I want you to understand something. That is what we need to do. We always need to rely on the Word of God. There, there's a thing called default settings, right? Anybody know what that is? A default setting is when you buy, how many of you guys bought an electronic this year for a family member for Christmas, Right? When you did, it had default settings, right? That is like when it is built, when that computer is built, there are default settings that you know this is what it's built with and this is what it's made to do and this is how it's going to do it. And so unless you change it, this is what it's going to do. Our default setting needs to be reliance on the Word of God. Amen? Amen? And if you look at what happens with Jesus, it's pretty crazy. The first thing that we see in verse 1 that blows my mind, it says, He was led up by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Well, that doesn't sound like something God would do. Not my God. The God I serve doesn't do things like that. Brother, the God you serve did it to his only son. So what makes us think he wouldn't allow that in our life as well? Sometimes the Holy Spirit will put you into situations where all you have is Him and His Word. Anybody ever been there? I'm in such a place where all I have is the presence of God. We see in verse 2 and 3, Satan attacked him at what seemed to be like a really weak moment, right? I mean, if you are going to pick a time to pick a fight with somebody, you want it to be when they haven't eaten for 40 days right? That's why I'm never worried about getting into a fight with a vegetarian. They're never strong enough to take a guy who eats a lot of meat, right? Never worried about it. So the enemy picks a moment that seems like Jesus would be at his most vulnerable, and physically that might have been true. But the fact of the matter is, is that spiritually, Jesus has been feeding himself for 40 straight days, feasting on the presence of God in communion with his heavenly father so really the enemy picked the worst possible time what the enemy uses for bad the lord uses for good but there's some things that we see in our in this and if we apply it to our life i promise you god will do amazing things and i just want you to understand though the bible it's the word of god it's our it's our it is our our guidepost for life the bible is so much more than a spiritual cookbook with recipes to bless your life did you hear that? That's tweeter worthy right there. You could, you could chap snap that all day long. So what does the Word of God do in our life? 
I'm going to tell you three things a word does, and this is why behind what we need to be doing. Amen? First one is a word sustains us. Now, the thing that the enemy said to him, the very first thing says, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. Now, understand right away the enemy and how he's working is he's attacking the very thing that he sees as Jesus' weakness. Hunger. Understand that the enemy will start with what you give him. So if you lean a direction, he'll probably attack in that direction. Remember the Lorax, one of the one of the craziest things I've ever heard in a in a Disney or in a uh, a cartoon. Which way does a tree fall? A tree falls in the direction that it leans. Be careful which way you lean. Doctor Seuss tearing it up. So he said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to be bread. Satan sees that he hasn't eaten in 40 days, so he's going to attack right there. Right? But he answered and he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So you have Jesus in this moment. He's starving. Physically, he's weak. Spiritually, he's strong. In this moment, the enemy comes to him and says, hey, take, take food, it's time for you to eat. And, and, if, and if God is who he says he is, and you are who you say you are, then you should be able to do this. But Jesus sees so much more. Jesus sees that it's more than food. It's more than bread. That there's spiritual and eternal things at stake right here and right now. Because what Jesus knows is that this, this moment sets the tone for him to walk in to the city and start getting his team together. And then it starts, it starts setting the tone for him to begin to travel and begin to change lives and do miracles. Like it all kind of hinges on this moment right here. Understand this, that in your spiritual life, every moment hinges off of every moment. It's all important. Amen? So Jesus shows us that it isn't food that nourishes us, and sustains us as the word of God. I want you to see this. Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, saying that he needs the word more than he needs bread after eating, after not eating for 40 days. If Jesus, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords, starves for 40 days and says, all I really need is the word, how much more do we need the word? brings us sustenance and i will tell you the enemy will attack you at what seems like the most vulnerable moment in your life and during that time you need the word to sustain you understand this the enemy has always got a scheme god's got a plan but satan's got a plot right and in our there's a there's a it's called the hedgehog concept right you ever anybody ever hear the hedgehog concept before so, so the, uh, there, there's a, the, the animal that eats the hedgehog. I can't remember what it's called. We'll just say it's the fox because it is the fox. The fox is crafty and cunning and comes up with all these plans to eat the hedgehog. The hedgehog has one defense. It rolls into a spiky ball, but it works every single time, right? The, the fox comes up. I'll attack, I'll attack from up high. I'll attack from down low. I'll attack from the side. I'll, I'll, I'll try and get him thinking about this, and then I'll attack from here. And the and the hedgehog, all it does every single time is roll into a spiky ball, and it works every time. Our hedgehog concept is the word of God. 
The enemy will attack at what seems like the most inopportune time for us. It seems like the most vulnerable moment for us. But the fact of the matter is, all we have is the Word of God, but the Word of God works every single time. This is what sustains us. Understand that if we think being physically full and having enough calories is the most important thing in our life, we are missing it. Because being spiritually full and making sure you've been feasting on this will get you through far more than a good meal ever will. Amen? Amen? I'm even talking about Donna's bread. If you know, you know. And if you don't, you don't. But the presence of God sustains even more than Donna's bread, if it could even be possible. Donna's like, I don't know, my bread's pretty good. But that's a woman who knows the Lord, so I think she gets it. I know you have, so I've used the word sustain a lot. Check out the definition of sustain. It's It's a few different things. Number one, to support or hold or bear up from below. Check this out. Bear the weight of as like a structure to keep from giving way under trial or affliction or to supply with food and drink and other necessities. This is the function of God's word in our life. It holds us up when everything else seems to be crashing around us. It sustains us. It bears the weight of our struggle, bears the weight of our sin. That's what Jesus does. It keeps us from giving way under trial and under pressure. And it sustains us and feeds us with the spiritual food we need to make it another day. This is what the Word of God does. This is our sustenance. This is, this is the food and drink of the Spirit. Amen? Amen? And I just got to tell you, I've heard, I've not heard people, I've had people actually say it to me. I don't really like to read, so I don't read the Bible. Brother, you don't have to get over it. I'm not asking you to read a science book. I'm right there with you. Hate the science books. I'm not asking you to read a comic book. Right there with you. Hate the comic books. I'm not asking you to read the story of Michael Jordan's life, although he's the best basketball player to ever play the game. I don't care how much of a LeBron fan you are. Fight me. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to read that which will sustain you. And you're not going to survive what this world throws at you, especially as we get closer to the end of the book, if you aren't reading this. Amen. Amen? So the Word of God sustains us. The next one, and I've, I've talked a little bit about this, but let's, let's talk, talk in greater detail. The Word of God defends us. I love this. So after the moment of the bread... Then the enemy switches to another different tactic. That's what he does. We've just talked about that, right? You know, the enemy didn't even give it another second. He said, okay, I'm going to forget about that. What about this? Right? Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they will bear you up, lest you dash your foot on a stone. And Jesus said, it is, not, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Satan doesn't miss the chance to accuse Jesus. Do you realize that? Right. Satan doesn't miss the opportunity to challenge his sonhood. 
His sonship. His sonness. I don't know what the right word there is. Son, sonship, probably, but sonness is good. The enemy doesn't miss an opportunity to challenge him on whether or not he actually belongs to God, that he really is the Son of God. In fact, he says it over and over and over again. In every attack, it always starts with, if you truly are the Son of God, then do this. He never misses the opportunity to point an accusational finger and say, that's not true about you. I mean, you've got to understand something. He is trying, he's trying to talk Jesus out of being the Son of God before Jesus even gets within a, a, a mile of the cross. Think about that. And he's saying, if you really are, he's saying, you know what, that's not who you are. I mean, that's what, he, that's what the enemy does. He likes, to, he likes to get in your ear, and he likes to say, did God really say that? How do you think we landed in this junk? Adam and Eve. There they are. Chilling in the garden. Right? And what's he say to them? Did God really say that? Did he really? And he sowed that seed of doubt. And he, he's trying to do the same thing with Jesus here. Are you really who you say you are? Are you really the Son of God? Are you really going to be perfect and sinless? Do you really think you're going to have what it takes to rescue the world from my grasp? If you are, then prove yourself. And in the midst of our battles, the enemy will accuse us. And he will question if we really belong to God at all. Do you hear that? Have you ever had that happen in your life where you're thinking to yourself, maybe I'm just not who I thought I was in Christ? Anybody ever had that thought? You think to yourself, maybe I'm just not who I think I am. Maybe I don't have it together like I thought I did. Maybe I'm not the man of God that I always hoped I was. Maybe, maybe not. And the enemy loves to get in there and try to get you to doubt your sonship, your sonness, your daughterness, whatever the word is, daughterhood, whatever. He loves to get in and mess with you and and, and get you questioning, am I even what the Bible says that I am? Am I really his? Do I really walk in his ways? The accuser of the brethren isn't a clever nickname. That is the name that he earned by the way that he lives. You look in the book of Job when he's standing there, and, and, and I, if I'm Job, I'm like, God, did you just seriously put me on front street? Did you mention my name? Like, why did you have to drop my name? But he does. He says, have you considered Job? And what, what, have you ever thought about why the enemy is there in that room to begin with? He's there throwing accusations, and he's doing it now. In your life, he is standing, at the, he is standing in, in the presence of God, and he's throwing out accusations. He's saying, well, Dan Boris here doesn't have it together. Try him because he's going to fall flat on your face. Nathan Young's going to screw this up if you give him the opportunity. Go ahead. Let him, let him do it. Go ahead. Point him out. Let's do it. And he is talking about all of each and every one of us, saying that we don't have what it takes to be who he's called us to be. But the great news is, then you've got Jesus. It says that he's, he, he intercedes for us. 
And in my mind, I picture this glorious moment where he's our defender. And he walks up. And it's kind of like, you ever been in a moment where somebody was bullying you and somebody bigger just stepped right in front of you in between them? And they couldn't see you anymore and you couldn't see them anymore. All you could see was back. You know what I mean? And all they could see was this guy saying, I don't know who you are, but you're not going to mess with him. Right? I've never been the bullied one before. But I have found myself in that situation where I'm standing. But I always find myself in that situation. I always roll up on like domestic violences in the middle of parking lots. And they're like, can you help me? I'm like, I just want a sandwich. <laughs> like, why am I here, God? Right? But I think of like this defender who steps in between the enemy and us and says, and says, I know what you're saying, but the fact of the matter is my name is Jesus. Maybe his name doesn't matter. My name is Jesus and he belongs to me. Right? That moment where, where Jesus can step wherever Jesus wants to step, he says, this dude's with me. He's coming to. He's talking about you. He's defending you. Even at this moment, even when we give him absolutely no reason to defend us, even when we fall on our face, even when we feel like we've blown it, he's still saying, that's my child, and you won't touch my child. Amen? Praise God. And the word of God is chalked full of our defense. And the Word of God actually teaches you how to pray in your own defense. But if you're not ingesting this, you have no idea that it's there. And the fact of the matter is, if you're not in the Word of God, you may think you know the character of God, and, and really, can we completely know? I mean, He's inexhaustible, but this gives us a great place to start. And if you're not ingesting this, you don't know. You don't know. The Word of God sustains us. The Word of God defends us. And my favorite part, the Word of God directs us. So again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory, and he said, all these things I will give to you. And Satan's foolish because he right now he is the prince of the power of the air, right? But... That stuff's on rent. He don't own it. He says, all these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus said, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and only him shall you serve. Jesus is in the middle of a battle, and he's offered a different direction here. He's offered the opportunity to deviate from who God knew he was and who he knew he was in his Father. He was offered a completely different direction. And he, was, and he was told, if you will worship me, you get all of this. You know, Jesus didn't argue that point because he was more than that point. He knew that he had a direction. He knew that his direction was to set his feet on the path that he and his heavenly father had decided on. And this is who I'm going to be. And there's nothing that can be out there that will cause me to deviate this, no matter how deviate from this, no matter how tempting it could possibly be. Are you hearing this? And the Word of God directs us into who we are supposed to be and the way that we're supposed to live this life. Jesus knew the whole time that he was directed by his Heavenly Father. I mean, over and over and over again, you hear Jesus talk about it. 
I, I do what my Father says. I, I, I hear what my Father has told me. And he is. And Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, would still pull away from everybody else just to hear from his Heavenly Father. Because his Heavenly Father would direct him. And if we will live that same life, God will direct us. And I want you to understand something. So many people, and especially new followers of Jesus, they, they want to they focus on the whispered word of God, and that's important. But you better know what this sounds like so you know who's doing the whispering. You want to you make sure that you know this well so that when you hear that whisper, you can say, that is the voice of my heavenly Father. Or that is the voice of somebody else. That's why Jesus says, my sheep will know my voice. You want to know what the Word of God says because the Word of God directs you. And if you aren't well versed in this, how will you be directed? You can't trust yourself to say, oh, I'll figure it out. You'll fall on your face. You're human. That's what we do. That's our default mode as well. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and only him shall you serve. Our direction is that we should be pointed towards God. And all he's called us to be. And this word of God teaches us exactly how to be that person. You want to follow him, right? That's why you're here. You want to be his. That's why you're here. You don't get up on Sunday morning, get a shower, get dressed, comb that hair, put the beard balm in. Ladies, you can't, you can't relate to that one, the beard balm, but the guys do. John, I'm sure you balm it up right nice, right? <laughs> You don't do all that to come here and sit to listen to some dude talk about something you don't want to be a part of. You come here because this is what you want. This helps you get there. This is your guide. The word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. You've got to know this. It's hard to walk in the direction that God has set for you if you don't know what his word looks like. There is your why. So many people are afraid of the Word of God. And the world is now labeling it as hate speech. But they don't realize this is a love letter that points to an amazing Savior that died for you. And here's your instructions for how to look more like Him in the way that you live your life, in the way that you love others, in the way that you talk to others, in the way that you lead others. That's what this is. So we need, with everything that's within us, we need what the Word of God has for us. It sustains us it is more important to us than any food we will ever ingest it defends us from the fiery darts of the enemy and the accusations that says are you really who god says you are yes i am not because of who i am but because of who he says i am in here and it directs you and it gives you a point to focus on that i'm going to fix my eyes on him And nothing and no one will cause me to deviate. My gaze is fixed on the heart of God. And that's where I'm going to live my life. How do I learn the heart of God? By reading the Word of God. But PT, I don't like to read. I don't care. Then don't read a magazine. Don't read a book. Don't read the 
any, don't read the cereal box, but read this. I've got 15 minutes of reading in my week that I'm going to get. Okay, then it all needs to go right here. Lord knows you men aren't reading instructions on how to put something together anyway, right? Your wife doing that. I don't understand. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Maybe you're like, hey, PT, I just feel stupid every time I read this. I hear you. I hear you. I feel you, dog. I feel you. The fact of the matter is this, though. The Word of God is living. And when you deposit the Word of God into your spirit, I'm telling you, it comes out when you least expect it. The moment you need it most, and you're like, where on earth did that come from? It's because I sowed it into my spirit. The Bible says that the Word of God will not return void. So that means every time you've ever read... And, and I don't know about you, but when I read, I can read something, and I can read it nice and fast, and I can read it all good, but then I get to it, and I'm like, I forgot what I, I don't know what I just read. Don't read this for quantity. Read this for quality. If you get stuck on one verse, but that verse permeates your soul, then so be it. Because you're depositing it into your spirit, and there was never a moment where this was wasted in your life. Never was there a moment when you read that you read for nothing. It's there. Amen? Amen. So that's the why. Let's talk about the how. Go and stand to your feet. I'm going to give you guys a little resource. This is something I created for my students years ago, and I've tweaked it over the years. But uh, it's, called, it's called the Fusion First Five. Okay? Here's basically what, what I'm about to give you is a year-long devotional on one card. Okay? So you take a scripture, you read it, you pray about it. God, open my eyes, open my ears to understand what you're saying here. Then I want to challenge you to start writing about it. I want you to get a composition book. It's a dollar. Okay? Get a composition book, start writing. You may be like, I have no idea what to write. Then just write about what that verse made you think. But I promise you, as you do this more and more, what you write will grow more and more. You may be thinking, I hate writing. Sorry. (laughs) Suck it up. up. Thank you. (laughs) Then you read it again, and you pray. It's the first five minutes of your day. That's why it's called the the Fusion Five, the Fusion First Five. But on the back, here's what I have. I have, you can't see it here, and Pastor Zach struggled to begin with. It's... It's well over 200 different scriptures, right? If you do this five times a week, this thing will last you an entire year. And, and these are things, I mean, some of them are, are foundational things that you, people want. Jeremiah 29, 11, Philippians 4, 13. But then you get into some big ones, man. Proverbs, the entire chapter all the way through. It doesn't get any better than Proverbs. You want to walk in wisdom? Proverbs gives you wisdom. Want to walk in understanding? There you have it that at the end of the year, you will have, had, you will have, have done this and you will have, have over 200 times sat down, read a scripture, prayed about it, wrote about it, read it again, prayed it again. That is a habit that will transform you because I guarantee, you don't get this very often, I guarantee something in one of these will jump off the page at you and absolutely blow your mind. I've been reading the Word now for about 20 years, and over and over and over again, even things that I've read dozens of times, 
it jumps off the page at you. Why? Because it's living and powerful and God lets you discover it at moments you didn't see coming. So this is the why, but here's the how. This is how we're going to do it. I guarantee that if Fusion Church will be a church that begins to do this day in and day out and makes the Word of God a part of their habit, I promise you it will be transformational. Personally, but corporately. Amen? Amen. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you guys, and I want you to come, and I want you to grab one, and I want you just to take a second at the altar. We're going to crank the music up, and I want you to dedicate. I want you to say, God, I am committing that I'm going to do this. This is a habit that the first five minutes of my day, or the last five minutes of my day, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to get the book. Why, why do I want you to write about it? Because I promise you that when you show God, you'll take care of what he's going to show you. He'll show you more. I love to have my journal right by my Bible because when God shows me something, I don't say, I'll remember that. No, I write it down because my brain leaks. And if I don't show God I'm going to take care of what he gave me, he won't give it to me. Right? So you begin to write it down. And watch what God does. Amen? All right. So I'm going to pray. I want you to grab one. If you're here today and you're hurting and you're struggling, I want you to get in the habit of doing this. We'll pray for you now. Absolutely. But get in the habit of doing this because this word will sustain you, it will defend you, and it will direct you in every path of righteousness. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you guys. I got to I gotta let you go. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, why don't you come talk to me? Let's talk about that, okay? Father God, I thank you so much for each and every person in this room. I thank you for the Word of God. It's living, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord. I thank you that your Word sustains us, that your Word defends us, that your Word directs us. Lord, we want to hear your whispered word. We want you to be able to speak into our hearts and speak into our lives. But more than that, God, we need to know what your word that you've already spoken has said to us and begin to walk in it in everything that we think, everything that we say, and everything that we do. God, we love you. Meet us here, I pray. And help us to adopt this habit of pouring your word into our life every single day. In Jesus' name, amen. Crank that up. Come get it, and let's do it.